Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people to make friends, I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach you. Call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Jeez, these days are just brutal, aren't they? <laughs> Dow plunging 367 points, S&P falling 0.48%, NASDAQ advancing 0.38%, a bright star after taking a real battering earlier in the week. This market's taking whole sectors and just pulverizing them. Today it was healthcare after Sanofi, the French drug company, cut its forecast, holy cow, did they ever, and boosted its spending plan. Those are called kisses of death. And the pin action from that dragged down the entire group. And the negative forecast yesterday from Bristol Myers didn't help either. These kinds of stocks used to be considered safety placid hiding places with high yields with, uh, that would you know, certainly keep you, uh, let's say, call a trampoline. But with its rates so high, the dividends have become meaningless. While many of their pipelines seem to be running dry, the cupboard is bare. Suddenly, big pharma's just a nightmare. The house of pain. Yep, just as we've been rolling bull markets in the old days, what we've got now are br- marauding bear markets. Uh, that's what happens when rates go up, right? We've now got all over the place. Stocks just falling apart. That's what I felt all day. They were falling apart. The drugs, hey, the, the oils. After Chevron, Chevron of all companies plummeted 10 points. Chemicals refining, failing to deliver the goods. They, too, used to be buoyed by the yields. Quoth the Chevron, nevermore. At least until the Fed starts cutting rates. Strangely, tech caught a reprieve thanks to the glorious numbers last night from Amazon. On the Magnificent 7 scale, I'm upgrading Amazon from James Coburn to Yul Brenner. If you don't know what that means, watch the movie. But oils, drugs, God, it was a nightmare out there today. Just a nightmare. So will next week bring more roving bear markets, more marauding, ursine creatures? We had a big slate of earnings coming. But let me start with the most important event of the week. And that's the Federal Reserve meeting on Wednesday. I think uh, Powell's got some ammo to be a little more sanguine. Housing's rolling over, so are used cars, but the consumer's resilient. Jobs are strong. And we just got that 4.9 GDP number. That's way, 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 way too high. So don't look for the Fed to be your friend. Just hope it isn't your enemy. We're going to find out at 2 p.m. Now let's start talking about earnings, okay? With McDonald's, where my wife went today, by the way, and had a double cheeseburger. For, for years, I presumed that McDonald's would almost, would all, almost always get the benefit of the data for Port's good earnings. 
But now that's up in the air because the market's so hostage to the action in bonds. McDonald's, with its paltry 2.6% dividend yield and higher than average price earnings multiple, feels like much less of a sure thing, frankly. Plus, what if they get a question in the conference call about those new anti-obesity drugs? Could get ugly. Tuesday, it's Caterpillar's turn to play the Wall Street equivalent of the Hunger Games. I think they'll print a fine number, and the industrials have held up better than most groups. Well, why? Because there's so much infrastructure spending coming out of Washington. That said, Cat is a very visible soft landing story, one that might get clubbed if interest rates spike next week. We own Cat for the Chapel Trust, but as I tell members of the investing club, if you don't know it already, maybe you should wait. Some of the best buys this earnings season are coming in the day after a sell-off, as we saw when we told you to buy Meta once it got just knocked to smithereens. Next, there's Amgen, which got clocked today because it's, got a, it's a drug stock. It's got 3.26% yield, which, of course, now means nothing. The fact that they just closed on a deal to buy a jewel of a biotech company, Horizon Therapeutics, seems to have no impact. However, Amgen has a growing anti-cancer franchise, and they just got an amazing rare disease portfolio from Horizon. You get a company with 10% growth for 14 times earnings. Sorry, I like it. Tuesday, we also hear from Eaton. That's an old metal bender that's now fashioned itself as an energy transition play and a darn good one. I want to see if Eaton can distance itself from the nominal solar outfits like Enphase, which we just learned has a major finance component that makes solar too expensive and led to substantial order reductions. What a disaster that one's turned out to be. Intel reported an upside surprise today, and the stock jumped 9%. It was actually last night. Well, AMD produced a similar upside surprise when it reports. Uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, with the expectations now rising, it may not be as bountiful as we'd hope. If there's anything wrong with AMD, it could trigger another big round of selling in the semis. I think it'll do a good job, but Intel had very low expectations. Wednesday, besides the Fed, we get results from CVS. And last night, I wish I had like an hour. I have this real dissertation in my head about this that, I've, that I uh, said to Josh Allen last night when I was watching the Bills game. Amazon painted a picture of drugstore industry under siege. Ever since Amgen got, I'm sorry, ever since Amazon got into the same day delivery for many of the consumables you can find at a pharmacy, CVS has been having an existential crisis slash nightmare. Same with Walgreens and certainly with the now failing Rite Aid. Too many drugstore staples can be bought online in the morning and delivered when you come home from work. So why bother going to CVS in person, especially when all the good stuff's under lock and key and you can't find anyone to unlock the plexiglass cage? You press that button, no one comes. Today at lunch, we had Chipotle. I'm switching topics. Today at lunch, we had Chipotle in honor of the good numbers the company delivered last night. How about the huge Yum! brands when it reports on Wednesday? All right, well, this is going to be very interesting. You know why? Because I think the parent of KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut has continually delivered, but the stock's expensive at 20 times earnings estimates now because all the uh, mobiles have come down so much. So if it doesn't blow out the numbers, I think the stock's going to get hammered. After the close, we hear from the host of New Economy Place, that PayPal, Roku, Airbnb, Etsy. Last time around, only Roku beat the numbers. I fear the same scorecard this time, because these days, those other companies are viewed as more commodity than they ever really, well, actually, than they are. Some of them, like PayPal, really have been commoditized, though, by increased competition. But others, like Etsy, are one of the kind. Nobody seems to care anymore. Thursday will be the most important business day of the week, as we, maybe some people say of the year, as we get the results from the best performing drug company in the world, Eli Lilly, and the largest company on earth, Apple. We own both for the Chapel Trust, and I have no illusions that the stocks haven't run a lot. Lilly's Munjaro is a revolutionary treatment for diabetes and I think will be approved for obesity soon, alongside Novo Nordisk Wigovi, which is approved for both. Lilly's drug is yet, I think it's going to, I don't know, maybe even this week, 
next week. It could get approved, but uh, you shouldn't sell the stock if it isn't, because I think ultimately it will be. Either way, I truly believe this drug, Moonjaro, could be the biggest selling drug of all time, which is why we still hold on to some of our lily for the charitable trust. Apple, what can I say? I know it acts terribly. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows, as I said the other night, and Bob Dylan said the other, I don't know, century. I know all the holes in the story. No real growth to the iPhone, weaker Chinese sales, no catalysts. Who cares? All these should produce a worrisome stock decline. To me, though, that would be the decline that refreshes. As I say, own Apple, don't trade it. But except that it's often had tons of bad publicity around its quarterly report and has at times fallen 10% within a few days. Starbucks, another charitable trust name, has their earnings call at 7 a.m., not in the afternoon usually, at 7 a.m. And after the, uh, they, they do that, the company will hold an analyst meeting to lay out its long-term strategy. I think that re- the relatively new CEO, Luxman Narasimhan, will stress that they simply don't have enough Starbucks locations anywhere around the globe, especially in China and in the U.S. I bet Wall Street laps it up. That's why we own it. Finally, on Friday, we get results from a company that I have said after... Uh, we got to take over a bit from Pioneer. might be next. That's EOG Resources, which remains among the best independents of, uh, of really of all. Look, my favorite is Kotara. That's a natural gas and an oil company. Now, I thought there'd be more mergers to come, but judging by the way that Hess and Pioneer are trading after they got bids from Chevron and Exxon, respectively, I wonder if the sellers won't demand more of a premium going forward. You know what? They deserve it. Here's the bottom line. I don't mean to be too cynical, but unless we get some relief from this bond market, which is totally and completely in control, unless it goes where it has to go, as we used to like to say on the trading desk, everything I just described is just a trade. And unfortunately, unlike many on Wall Street who have been wrong, I think Treasury yields still have a long way to go before they get to where they have to go. Let's take calls. Let's go to Randy in Arizona. Randy. Hey, Jim. I'm calling from the home of the National League champion Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm building a dividend portfolio and want to know your thoughts on Conagra as a long-term defensive dividend stock. And do you have a defensive dividend stock that you could recommend to everyone? Okay. Um, Conagra is problematic because I, I don't really care for the food stocks uh, on a yield basis because there's just too many open-ended questions involving that 5.5. Um, I do believe, just so you understand, in the oil and gas uh, companies like a, a, a One Oak at 5.8, I like that at 7. I think it's still good. Uh, or an ET, which is Energy Transfer Partners, which yields 9.5%. Or an EPD, which is uh, Enterprise uh, Partners, which is really, really good. I wish they come on the show, which yields 7.3%. Those are all superior to Conagra when it comes to yield. Let's go to Joe in Florida, please, Joe. Hey, booyah, Mr. Kramer. From booyah, Joe. Sarasota. Oh, I love Sarasota. I love Clearwater. I love the whole western part of Florida. I live okay. in Tallahassee. What's up? Hey, first of all, I want to thank you for educating the average person on understanding the markets in a simplified format and helping us all make money. Thank you. That is why I still do this job. That is really the only reason why I still do this job, frankly, because if you talk to my wife, she said, what are you doing? Let's go have a couple of Baconators. What's going on? (laughs) I love it. Hey, Jim, my astute son, Jeffrey, and myself, since the middle of 2020, have a large position in Halliburton. I like what they've been doing. So my question is, 
Should we continue to go long, or is it time to take some off the table? No, no, no. Actually, uh, Jeff Marks, you know, my uh, uh, co-portfolio manager for the Chapel Trust, we were looking at it and saw it. It pulled back to at 1.5 below where we sold it. We were tempted to get back in. Please do not sell Halliburton. That's one of the great growth stories of this era. I'm going to Chris in Washington. Chris. Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call and uh, everything you do for the home gamers. Um, wanted to uh, get your thoughts after earnings um, on IBM as a candidate uh, for a core holding as a more conservative play on AI with a good yield. I thought the quarter was very good. Uh, you know, I went over it a couple times because it, there's so much to read, in part because they bought a company called Red Hat and they have what's known as a hybrid strategy for the uh, for the cloud. It really read well. They are doing some terrific advising and consulting. It's kind of like an extension with the nice yield. I agree with you. We had a lot of good stocks, uh, stocks that we just mentioned. All right. Unless we get some relief from the bond market, everything is just a trade, people. And unfortunately, Treasury yields still, I think, have a long way to go before it's over. Well, man, buddy, tonight, I'm getting a look at a housing play to see if it's built on a strong foundation. It does have a good yield. Don't miss my exclusive with lumber giant Warehouser. Plus, after the busiest week of earnings season, is your portfolio positioned profit in this market? That's why we're going to play MI Diversify. Plus, I'm turning in my homework and revealing one under-the-radar name that could still benefit from the renewable energy trends because you know you stumped me with some real good stocks. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every night I take your calls because teaching you how to invest is meaningless if I'm not answering the questions that are most relevant to you. Sometimes, though, I get stumped, and I promise to circle back if you're doing some more research. Tonight, I want to work through some of that homework backlog because it's been building up, and you deserve better. First on July 17th, John in Florida asked me about Relics. That's R-E-L-X, P-L-C. Ooh, a London-based professional information services company. Basically, they do information-based analytics to help their customers make better business decisions. Think risk management tools, data solutions, research software, all sorts of electronic legal references for governmental organizations, agencies, law schools, law firms. For the lawyers in the audience, you might know the last is LexisNexis. 
So how's Wells doing? When the company reported its first half results in July, they posted a solid set of numbers with a particularly strong forecast for their legal business. More importantly, we got a sense of how much Relic stands to benefit from generative AI. Remember, these guys have vast repositories of data, and that data has become a lot more valuable in a world where language learning models need to be fed data sets in bulk as part of their so-called training process. You're going to hear a lot about that over a long time because it's part of what NVIDIA does right. Relics even has its own generative AI solution. It's called Lexus Plus, which is starting to get traction with lawyers. I don't know how meaningful this will only be from the business. I'm not a lawyer. but I th- Well, I am a lawyer, but I don't work at a big firm. But I think it's one of the main reasons why the stock's up nearly 23% year-to-date. It's got a good business model. Unlike the vast majority of stocks out there, Relics is less than two points away from its 52-week high here. It's barely pulled back at all over the past weeks. Man, what a solid stock that is. At the same time, it sells for about 24.5 times earnings. It's not particularly cheap, but also significantly less expensive than something comparable like Thomson Reuters, which trades at just under 35 times earnings, and I don't think it's nearly as good. While the generative AI buzz is responsible for much of the recent enthusiasm here, I like that Relics already has a robust core business that's only been enhanced by AI. Very different from an entirely new AI company with little revenue and no earnings. However, given how much Relics has run in an increasingly ugly market, I am a little worried about paying up for this one. Even with the stock trading at under 25 times earnings, it's a little hard to justify that valuation based on the underlying growth rate. In the end, I think Relics has a good story, but I'm wary of chasing winners in this environment. You know what? Maybe you wait for a little bit of pullback and then you do some buying. They happen, believe me. Next up on September 18th. Yes, I've taken a long time to get these. Sean in Ohio called about Atcord, and that's A-T-K-O. R-E. And it's an Illinois-based manufacturer of electrical and safety infrastructure products, mostly for non-residential construction, which piqued me at my interest because that's the part of construction that I like. Think components for electrical power systems along with metal framing, mechanical pipes, perimeter security, and cable management gear. All these are essentials for construction. And the number one or two player in most of their end markets, think about all the infrastructure spend that's coming. We actually covered this one in August of last year. Also, as a homework item, I thought it sounded interesting at the time, although I warned you to take it slow because the stock could struggle near term thanks to the Fed's relentless rate hikes. Sure enough, Accor spent the next month getting pummeled along with the averages. But then we got that market-wide bottom last fall, and since then, the stock's been on fire. Accor was trading 88 bucks when I talked about it in August of last year, then it pulled back to 70 in September for surging to $165 at its highs less than three months ago. Since then, it's pulled back to 123 because the whole market's gotten ugly. Come on. Keep in mind, Accor serves the non-residential construction market, which makes it highly cyclical. It lives and dies with a broader economy. So whenever recession fears pop up, the stock gets obliterated. When people are worried that the Fed will have to lay waste to the economy in order to beat inflation, like so many people are now, uh, well, then this thing turns really ugly. How about the fundamentals, though? Long-term, Accor is a winner from the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, because there's so much money in there for making buildings more energy efficient. You know they'll get some of that business because they, all, they make all the conduits. Now, Accor reported in August, and even though their sales came in light, they delivered a nice earnings beat while raising their full-year earnings forecast. At this point, the stock's up 8.5% for the year, but it's still ultra cheap. It sells for just 7.7 times this year's earnings estimates. Like, look, why is that? Well, because like many other cyclicals, that's because Wall Street doesn't seem to believe they can make the numbers. We saw that with Nucor this week. The stock went up big by just saying it's going to do the numbers. You don't want exposure to construction if you think we're headed for a severe downturn. But if you think the Fed can still engineer a soft landing, I do, then you got my blessing to own this one right here. Finally, October 3rd, Sandy in my home state of New Jersey wanted to know about Opera Limited. That's a Norwegian company in the Internet services space. Pretty obscure, if you ask me. They had a range of products for computers and mobile browsers like Oprah Gaming 
uh, I'm sorry, Opera Gaming Portals and Opera News, not Oprah, Opera. Well, most of us uh, uh, use Microsoft Explorer, maybe Google Chrome or Apple Safari to access the Internet. Do you know that hundreds of millions of people in other parts of the world use Opera? especially if they have older computers. These guys created one of the first web browsers back in 1996, and they now have all sorts of ways to tailor it to different users. You know, kind of like other companies in the space, Opera makes its money off advertising, especially search ads. They've also partnered with OpenAI, that's the company behind ChatGPT, to use generative AI to make their search bar into something more like a question and answer service. At the same time, Opera's aiming to expand its, uh, into the West, which currently accounts for less than 15% of their user base. Now, yesterday morning, Opera reported a strong quarter. This was a top and bottom line beat, with the earnings per share more than doubling year over year. At the same time, their Opera GX gaming platform saw its average revenue per user grow by 24%, meaning they're doing an incredible job of modernization. Raised the forecast substantially, too, which is why the stock could jump 10% yesterday. Wow. Don't you wish you had that one? So how do we value it? Opera stock has been on a tear over the past few months, as I just mentioned. In fact, the stock's nearly doubled year to date. Plus, they just paid their first ever semi-annual dividend of 40 cents per share. Many stocks got a 6.7% yield these prices. I've said dividends don't offer much of a cushion in an environment where you can get 5% from bonds. But Opera's 6.7% yield, that could be a difference maker. However, while I give them credit for putting up stellar, uh, stellar quarter, if you want exposure to this industry for the long haul, I'd rather stick with the tried-and-true alphabet, which the Chapel Trust owns, especially now that the stocks pull back dramatically over the past week. Why? Because they bungled telling an otherwise pretty good story. I'm telling you, if I had been on that conference call and I had done that, I would have had that stock up 10, not down 15 or whatever the hell it happened. Bottom line, in this environment, I'd much rather go bottom fishing than try to chase stocks that are currently roaring. IT's just too hard a market to do any other way. Our viewers are so darn smart. What great ideas. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, survive the unknowns. Thrive in any market. Kramer invites you to the game of games. Play Am I Diversified? Next. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. We're smack dab in the middle of earnings season where some of the biggest, most influential companies are giving us market-moving information every single day. In such a volatile market, it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed by all the earnings reports, all the ups and downs coming at you, unless you know what you own. And that's why we're playing MI Diversify. Hey, this is where you call me, you tell me your top five holders. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified, or maybe not enough. Maybe you need to mix it up a little. Let's take some calls. Why don't we start with Mary in Idaho? Mary. 
Happy TGIF, Jim. Oh, amen. Um, amen, Mary. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Um, I'm a new club member yes. and appreciate all you do. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I have a small portfolio, and I'll give you my five stocks, and you can give me suggestions if I need to change things and answer the question of am I diversified. Of course. Um, Amazon, Apple, Exxon, NVIDIA, and Ford. All right. Let me get a word. Thank you for those kind comments. We do have to mix things up a little bit. Uh, and these are very tough because we had a disappointment last night in Ford. Uh, we are keeping it, but we've, we are very much on edge about it uh, because we did not think that the uh, warranty issues were addressed, but it's an auto company. Apple's own it, don't trade it. I have no feel for this quarter. I never do that kind of stuff. What I do is I take a look and have the best products in the world, best management in the world, and I reach the conclusion that the customer is always right. Best company in the world. Don't care about the stock. That takes care of itself. NVIDIA is very similar. But now here's the problem. They are both in technology. And I don't want to I want to keep them both on. But I want to make it clear that the only reason I could do that is because Amazon distinguished itself last night as a retailer and then an Amazon Web Service company. Exxon had an OK oil uh, quarter. Not great, not bad. But you got an oil, you have an auto, you have a retailer. I am making it that. And then you have two technology companies. This is a cloud and this is a consumer tech. So I'm going to allow that. But understand that I can I have all these for the charitable trust because the trust is much bigger and it's not concentrated in tech. But thank you for the kind words. Now let's go to Bob in Florida. Bob. Uh, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm of course. Let you know, I'm very happy to be a member of the investment oh, club. Oh, thank you. We're and working hard, Jeff and I, Zeb. Yeah. We're really trying to crush it. How can I help you? You guys are great. Yeah, I want thank to see you. if I'm diversified. My okay. five stocks are NVIDIA, Tesla, Mercado Libre, Eli Lilly, and ServiceNow. Oh, wow. Okay, really interesting. Okay, so ServiceNow, let's go right to that. We had them on yesterday. Bill McDermott was second best, well, equal to Microsoft in terms of great quarters. NVIDIA, we know that's an own, don't trade. Again, very high multiple. Don't expect it to rally on the quarter. That's not the way we're playing that. This is for, uh, this is artificial intelligence, and this is going to be uh, automation. We'll call it that. Tesla, we know it's kind of gotten, kind of gotten hammered, but it's an electric car, but it's also going to be electric technology, which is why you can still own it. Carl Lieber is the eBay of Latin America. I was originally investor. I still like it very much. And then Eli Lilly reports next week, and we know that that's a GLP. It's got a great, uh, it has a great diabetes franchise, and I think it's going to have an amazing anti-Alzheimer's franchise drug. Uh, let's, let's call it an auction. Uh, auto, electric auto. Uh, automation and AI, it's different enough, okay? It's its different enough. A, a, someone who's really tough may just say, are you really going to let NVIDIA and ServiceNow be owned by the same person? But I'm willing to say yes because they are trading in different markets. Let's take a call right now from David in North Carolina. David. Hey, Jim. It's great talking to you again. Oh, thank you're you, David. Thank you for calling. Your Phillies and my Orioles had commendable seasons this year. Maybe next year's World Series will repeat the 1983 series. Uh, would that be fantastic? Ooh, I remember that series. That's part of the problem that I remember the series. But absolutely. You had a great squad. I thought you'd go all the way. The use is a dynasty, and they couldn't pull it off. It's hard to get in that World Series. How can I help? Well, living, in, living outside Charlotte, North Carolina, the following five companies have important operations in this area. Oh, okay. Car, car dealership Sonic Automotive. 
ticker symbol SAH. Okay. Amusement and water park operator, Theater Fair, F-U-N. Huh. All right. My That's really in Sandusky. Well, it does have operations here. It does have the operation. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, they've got Carowinds Amusement Park. You're, correct. You're absolutely right. Is, this time of year is called Scarewinds okay. because of Halloween scares. Oh, all right. But in fact, I'm going there this evening. Financial oh, I hope you have a good time. Thank you. Um, Financial institution, Bank of America. Okay. Industrial company, Honeywell. All right. And gas and electric utility, Duke Energy. Dim well, you know your stuff. You know your stuff, and I like that. Let's take a hard look. Okay, Sonic, yes, absolutely terrific quarter retailer. We had uh, Lithia and Drive this the other day. People didn't like it. I thought it was a good quarter myself at five times earnings. Uh, Cedar Fair, I like the amusement parks. They throw off a huge amount of cash. Bank of America, yes, Nations Bank, North Carolina. I think it's 24. The stock's starting to be, look pretty attractive. Honeywell put a really good quarter. The stock got killed. They kind of tried to rally again today. That's aerospace, HVAC, chemicals, and in. Intelligent uh, automation at the, uh, for the warehouse. And then Duke Energy, which is one of my, uh, which is decent. It's a decent utility. I'm not crazy about the utilities right now. I do like AEP, but utility, but let's call it, uh, let's call it aerospace because that's the primary. Bank, entertainment, and auto. That is the first, jet, even though it's all North Carolina operations, that is the most, that is the most diversified so far of the portfolios. Now we're going to go to Amadou, Amadou, I'm sorry, in Florida. Amadou. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hi from the Space Coast, Merritt Island, Florida. I have five stocks. Okay. Apple, Alphabet A, Berkshire B, Tesla, and NVIDIA. Ooh, Let me okay. know that my wife doesn't have to worry. All right. Now, I mean, we're getting, we're starting to get nitty gritty here because now we have too many. I mean, I'm willing to accept, remember, I told him to accept Apple as a personal technology play, the best there is. I'm willing to accept NVIDIA. These are two that I say own, don't trade, so it's very hard for me to divorce myself. But I will slash Alphabet. I didn't like their conference call. We're struggling with it for the trust. Uh, we struggled with Ford. We struggled with Alphabet this week. Some are good, some are bad. That's what happens when you own a charitable trust or when you own, run a portfolio. But you only see portfolio managers come on and say everything's great. And I despise that. We don't play that game. We play with an open hand. Berkshire Hathaway, great diversified company run by, of course, Warren Buffett. Uh, Tesla, we know that's Warren. Uh, you know, we know that that's Elon's electric car, diversified company, personal technology uh, well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what, how best to put that because I've got to come up with some better way than just say tech because otherwise I have to get rid of NVIDIA. I won't let that happen. And Alphabet, we take Alphabet out, we'll put Eli Lilly in, and I will feel much better. Thank you so much to all the players. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up, after posting a near miss, can this stock carve a good story for investors? Or is it time for home gamers to shout, Timber? Find out next. So we got a more or less inline quarter from Warehouser. That's the real estate investment trust that's among the world's largest private owners of Timberlands, making them one of the top suppliers of wood products in North America. Of course, those numbers are only in line with the negative pre-announcement we got from these people in late September. Uh, driven by temporary harvest restrictions related to wildfire risk. We know that's a problem. Also, fewer exports to Japan. Management had some cautious comments on labor, lumber prices coming out of the third quarter, which I believe is why the stock also got a little ding. Wall Street's not optimistic on these 
group of stocks because they have so much exposure to housing and construction, which is not what money managers want to bet on when interest rates are soaring. However, there's another story here, which is that warehouses are working on several climate initiatives, including a forest carbon credit project that just got approved last month. And by the way, carbon captures right up their alley. There's so much going on here. We have got to hear how they're trying to shrink other companies' carbon footprints. So, Let's check in with Devin Stockfish. He's the resident and CEO of Warehouser to learn more about what's going on. Devin, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Nice to see you. All right. So when I listen, Devin, to this, those of us, we all like to think we're environmentalists, but I look to have looked at this, car, at this notion of selling credits. And I want to go there first. We talk about other things just because I, I'm very proud of what you're doing. And it can really make a difference for everybody and for your for your shareholders. Just tell us about this American Carbon Registry deal and what it means for you and for the world, frankly. Sure, Jim. Well, as you know, we have a whole number of things that we're doing around climate change and natural climate solutions, whether it's carbon capture and storage, mitigation, banking, conservation. But one thing that's that's really, I think, top of the list in terms of things we're excited about uh, is the opportunity around forest carbon. And so we did get our first uh, forest carbon credit uh, project approved here just recently uh, for a, a project up in Maine. And the reason we're so excited about this is that was our pilot project. Uh, I think we've got a lot of work uh, ahead of us, but we're really building a foundation to scale this business uh, over time. And we do have the largest timberland holding in North America with nearly 11 million acres in the United States. And, and really from a climate standpoint, there are very few tools that are available at scale that work today like the forest and taking CO2 out of the atmosphere. So we're really excited about this. Uh, it's an opportunity to do right by our shareholders, but also make a, a significant impact for the climate. Right, well, just to follow up on that, if let's say a company had a, a, a goal to be carbon neutral by 2030 and they're really in a gym, they couldn't get there. Conceivably, they could go to this exchange and buy your credits and maybe be able to make it so that they can meet their targets? Yeah, that's exactly right, Jim. I mean, companies are going to have to do a lot of work to bring down their CO2 emissions, uh, and that work is going to have to be done regardless. But for those really hard to abate emissions that companies are struggling with, the forest carbon credits are a way to, to help get them over that uh, net zero uh, uh, threshold. And so, you know, that's really where that's going to serve in the market. It's going to be a relatively cost effective way uh, for companies to make positive uh, uh, forward uh, progress on on emitting uh, or eliminating their CO2 emissions. Well, I think that's terrific. Now, I've got to go, of course, to the the, the uh, fundament here, which is that you are just a giant, land, you know, a giant landholder. You have obviously a lot of logs. We are really uh, focused these days on mortgage rates to get to 8%. Historically, we start worrying uh, that housing is going to be choked off, but the demand for housing remains intense because there's so few being built. There's obviously, as you talk about in your excellent presentations, there's, you could People are refurbishing their homes, too. But what is your feeling overall? Because at the beginning of the quarter, I thought you guys were a little bullish. At the end of the quarter, I thought you guys were a little bearish. Yeah, Jim, I mean, when you look at the housing situation in the United States, you know, the one thing that stands out is we are massively underbuilt in the United States. Millions of units need to be built over the years ahead. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we've seen particularly single family housing stay really resilient even in an environment where mortgage rates have gone up to the upper 7%, even knocking on the door of 8%. So I think when you look at just the shortage of housing, number one, and then number two, I, you know, I think it's a real testament to the big national builders. They've been able to do things like rate buy-downs and other incentives 
uh, to really keep these homeowners uh, in the market. And, and there's just a really strong demand for houses in the U.S. Now, how about China and Japan? These are very important. I know Japan is really important for you guys. But those markets, are, they're very hard to penetrate and very, also very hard, very hard to fathom. What is really going on in those two markets? Because we just don't know over here. Yeah, I think there's a couple things, Jim. You know, when we look at Japan, obviously, from a demographic standpoint, their population is not growing. And so, you know, the housing market there has been a little bit softer of late. But that being said, we've got some really strong customers in the Japanese market who have been looking to take market share from other building products. And so, you know, we still think that's a very important market and we still have a significant amount of volume going to the Japanese market. You know, the China market, that's obviously been struggling some, to some extent just because of what's going on in real estate and with their economy. And so we have seen the overall demand for logs go down in China. Although recently we've seen uh, some of the supply that goes into that market from Europe, from some other uh, suppliers has started to wane a bit. And so we're starting to see that China market come into a little bit more balance. And so, you know, as we said on our earnings call, we are anticipating starting to pick up some of the volume back into that China market. But well, how is uh, your relationship with the big boxes, the Home Depots and the Lowe's? Are, are they uh, are, do they have enough inventory? I know that you are really kind of between the home builders and those stores. You pretty much have a handle on everything. Where is the state of the uh, of the retailer with with lumber? Yeah, those are two really important customers for us, and it gives us. I think good, good indication and visibility into what's going on in the repair and remodel market. You know, the, the repair and remodel market has been solid this year. It's obviously come down from the peak years of the pandemic. But when you look at the aging housing stock in the U.S., people have equity in their homes. I think this lock-in effect with so many people having refinanced their mortgage at a low rate, maybe being reluctant to move on to their next home, that's a tailwind uh, for repair and remodel. So we're seeing that continuing to be solid both, you know, year to date. Uh, and as we go into 2024, that'll still be a, a pretty significant demand driver for our business. Well, to me, with your net asset value right here and the fact that you have to put in the special as well as the basic dividend, you're doing much better than if you own treasuries, which is what I think a lot of people should be caring about. Plus, we should be caring about the about the carbon registry because that's the future. I want to thank you so much, Devin Stockfish, President CEO of Warehouse, for coming on Mad Money. It's so good to talk to you, sir. All right. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you. Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It's up the lightning round. Kramer's back by two minutes, but you don't play out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round, Chris. I'm going to start with Paul in California. Paul. Hey, Jim. It's Paul from beautiful Santa Cruz, California. Yeah, I miss you out there. What's going on? Um, just over the hill from Silicon Valley, where I'm in love with the company SMCI. Stay in love. It's a uh, real good situation. It's one of the, uh, you know, there's a couple of my cadences like that, too. They are the ancillary AI plays that I think still work. But understand, we got a real bad market going on here. I'm going to go to David in Texas. David. Jim. David. From a club member and fan of the next World Series champion, Texas Rangers. I think you can have it. I think you can have it. I agree with that. How can I help? Sorry about your Phillies. About six months ago, you mentioned a company I'd never heard of that was about to spin off its road construction aggregate sub. It fit my value investment style, three yards in a cloud of dust. I brought MDU. MDU resources before the spinoff of Knife Forever. Knife is up 30% since I the know, spin. and then this keeps going down. 
Um, you know, it's, I got to tell you, it's probably PE driven at this point. It's got 11, 11 multiple, probably it's going to go down to 10. Uh, these stocks that are breaking down in this market just don't stop until they get to a level that's almost single digit PE mobiles. That's my only advice right now. Martin in Florida. Martin. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking the call. Oh, of course. And just coming Tuesday, I'm going to become a club member. There you go. That's what I want to hear. I'm going to tell Jeff Marks and Zip FEMA too. They'll be thrilled. What's going on? Um, GMC, a buy GM. yourself. Um, all right, I just suffered through a torching with Ford. Do I really need to have a twin barbecue with GM? I'm going to take a big Kingsford pass. Let's go to Cambies in California. Cambies. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm uh, calling regarding the British Petroleum, BP. You know, not bad, not great, not bad. Out of this whole group is going through a real re-evaluation. I'm sticking with my Coterra, which is, I think, is the best in show. Let's go to Bill in West Virginia. Bill. Yeah. Hi, Jim. This is Bill. Uh, Hi, I was just calling to ask you about a small speculative company called Uranium Pharmaceuticals. Is yeah. it a buy? I, you know, I looked at this guy. It's a you know. It's a Canadian company that I don't really have a lot of confidence in, and I'm not recommending any companies that are losing money hand over fist because they tend to go down even faster than the ones that are making money hand over fist. Let's go to Jeffrey in Massachusetts. Jeffrey! Hey, Kramer, what's up? Third time, long time. Uh, third, that's pretty good. What's going on? Hey, so as a proud member of the investment club, I listened to the CNHI conference call the other day, yeah. and I want to just get your general thoughts. Well, I thought Scott Wine did a good job on it, but you know what? The uh, world of uh, the food world, in other words, whether it be Archer Daniels or whether it be Deer or whether it be Agco uh, or whether it be FMC or Corteva, it's all going down, and this is being brought down with it, and it also has this big discretionary component. Uh, so I've got to tell you, I am. Uh, this is six times earnings. What do I do? No, it's not. You got to wait till they report. OK, when they report, we're going to take a hard look at it. And that's going to be in eight days. Let's make a decision next. Why don't we go to Barry in New Jersey? Barry. Hey, Jim. I love you guys at CNBC. I've been watching since 1993, especially wow. you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much, Barry. You're probably, no probably in, my, are you in my neck of the woods in Jersey. Yeah, I'm right behind you. I'm right behind CNBC. Well, I got to ask you, uh, I've been investing in a stock and I want your opinion. Okay. Archer, Archer Aviation. I know a lot of smart money is behind no, it. No, I mean, that is like the most speculative. I'll tell you, they got to, you know, this is a, a landing craft that goes up in vertical takeoff. I mean, I'd rather just, let's just go by Boeing. I mean, honestly, they, they got, they, they, they kind of, I mean, it's got, it's not $4 Boeing, but it doesn't mean it isn't cheaper. Okay, I got it. I'm not done. I want to do this for at least the next 48 hours, which is clearly where I'm headed. Let's go to Pierre and Marlon. Pierre. Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm calling you about uh, this stock. It's um, it's in the supply chain. It's got huge growth. Uh, Walmart's an investor. Uh, it's had a huge run. It's come back a little bit. It's supposed to be positive earnings next year. The stock that I'm talking about, Symbotic. I do know it, and I think we have to wait to see the earnings because I have to be so disciplined. Because, man, anytime I violate discipline and recommend a stock that's losing money now, well, guess what? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. 
The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, Kramer remembers an investing legend. Wisdom from a Wall Street titan when we return. I'm sick of hearing from all these Wall Street titans and assorted billionaires who love to give us, you and me, platitudinous warnings about how you just can't make money in stocks, even though that's exactly what got them rich in the first place. Heaven help anyone who tries to enlighten and explain, who offers something different, something provocative. Sadly, heaven got itself some help yesterday when the legendary Byron Wien passed away at 90 years old. Byron Wien was a Wall Street fixture, first at Morgan Stanley, then at Blackstone, where he dispensed wisdom for half a century. He became famous for his brilliant annual list of 10 surprises, 10 possibilities that could come out of nowhere and make you change your investment strategy, your stock picks. Oh, sometimes they're outlandish. Other times they're just shocking. But at all times, they got you thinking. I used to say it was the best risk reward that I had ever seen, and I loved it. If you invest based on means different surprises, and if you got it wrong, it didn't hurt you. Because being wrong tended to be baked into the stock. But if he got it right, you could get some huge gains, especially when I was a hedge fund manager in the 90s, a time when the surprises so often seemed to come true. When that list came out every year, I'd take it home and ponder for hours, trying to figure out what each would mean for my portfolio. We all batted it around on Wall Street. It was so provocative. We'd also put out a monthly newsletter filled with brilliance. He understood the zeitgeist, the conventional wisdom, and he bucked it routinely and successfully. He was a tremendous writer, by the way. He made a nice antidote to the prolix and the prosaic that dominates Wall Street. All right, there's the standard obituary. I've read about this fine man, an orphan in an early age, a scholarship student to Harvard, and then onto Wall Street, where he quickly became a sage. But let me give you another perspective, though, personally. As a young hedge fund manager, less than half my current age, I got a call from Byron Wien's office at Morgan Stanley saying he wanted me to come to an idea dinner. So once a month, he held these soirees where fund managers would present actual stock stories, stock ideas, go around the table, tell them in a personal setting in Byron's home. I couldn't believe I got an invite that I'd get to meet the man I considered the smartest thinker on Wall Street. I was shaking, scared to death, scared to death about what to talk about. But I wanted to make an impression to the 20 people who were there. So I mapped out a story where the personal computer would become as powerful as a mainframe thanks to new chips developed by Intel. Most thought it was fanciful, pure hyperbole. A lot of doubters there. Remember, this was the late 80s before Intel's 46 CPU and Microsoft's Windows truly took the world by storm. But Byron took me aside after the dinner and he said he thought it was the best idea he'd heard in years. Oh, I was chilled. And so began a friendship that lasted for a very long time, transcending when I got out of the business. <laughs> Thank heavens I was right about Intel. Why was this relationship so important? You see, because like any great professional coach, Byron was all about what I call the craft, about teaching us and molding us from idea people, like I was, into professional money managers. Those are two very different skill sets. He mentored me for years, even helped raise money for my fund because I hated that part of the business. Above all else, though, Byron never, ever said that the whole market was too perilous. He never scared you. All the money had been made. That wasn't the way he did it. He was an optimist, always on the lookout for new ideas and the young people who believed in them. Somehow, when I first got started in this business, I foolishly believed there had to be a ton of Byron Weeds out there, lots of brilliant people who believed in the craft of stock picking and idea generation, ready to help you, ready to help you do well. But there weren't. 
Now it's all programs and algorithms and risk on, risk off garbage and single stock risk versus ETFs nonsense. And of course, selfish, self-promotional interest. Byron's view transcended that. He wanted to make you the best money manager you could be. And he even put in time to coach you. That was 35 years ago. I never saw the likes of it or of him again. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Disclaimer. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard.